Welcome to another episode of I Talk to Dead People. Today, we are joined by our guest, who was the 29th President of the United States, Mr. William G. Harding. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great being here today and uh, excited to uh, spill some details. Welcome, Mr. Harding. The uh, first question we had for you was, what was the hardest part of being president? There's a lot. There's a lot. Every day uh, you're waking up not knowing what to do. Uh, There's the French wanting to invade you. There's the Indians going crazy. You got prohibition going on. And you have women trying to get jobs. So a lot of dangerous things going on. But I would probably say that the most dangerous part about being president and the hardest part uh, would probably be trying not to die of gangrene. That was uh, was pretty scary. Uh, There's obviously that saying, step on a crack, break your mother's back. Uh, In 1865, it was step in a puddle of water and lose your entire foot. It wasn't really that great of a rhyme, but uh, it definitely got the point across to school children. Interesting. Uh, How did you and your wife deal with being married while you were president? Didn't even notice it. Didn't even know. So we moved. That's that's what we told our that's what we told our friends. We just moved. You know, sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue was our was our new address. Happily married the entire time. Um, It was great. I you know, in fact, it was actually easier being married to her while we were in the White House because I got to see her more. I didn't have a commute from work. I just got to work from home while I was at president while I was a president, and that was pretty great. So um, I got to see the kids too, love my kids, uh, and really it, it allowed me to be more of a family man. Uh, Mr. President, I don't mean to be confrontational, but you allegedly had three affairs while you were in office. Uh, what do you say to that? Only three. They only they only know about three. I mean, allegedly three. Yeah. Um, no, that um, I I don't know which women you spoke to, alleged women you spoke to. Um, if it was Bethany, then um, I, allegedly, if it was Bethany, then I think that you'd be pretty skeptical. I'd spend a lot of time with her, not the sharpest tool in the shed. If it was Jessica, she um, that was just a big misunderstanding. So I, I don't think you should really read into that at all. And um, if, if I were to allegedly cheat on my wife with five different, or I'm sorry, five or three different women. Three. Three. Okay. We'll go with that. Um, if, if I was to allegedly have three affairs, um, that's, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And, um, I, I'm a family man at, at heart and, um, I love my kids. I love my one kid, actually, just my one kid with my one wife and that's that's what it was. I, I took the job so I could work from home, really, is, and that's that's how family-centric I am. Uh, Mr. Harding, regarding kids, along with, uh, with the affairs, you've been linked to having three children out of wedlock. <clears throat> Only three? Wow, they kept quiet. Um, yeah, three children. You know what? I'm a family man, and... Um, if it turns out that I do have three children, the reason I had three children out of red- wedlock is because I wanted to grow my family, and I'm a family man, and and the more the merrier. Um, also, might I just add that uh, if I did end up having multiple affairs with different women, um, it was only just to grow my family. But that didn't happen. It was all uh, all alleged. Um, none of the women that I named, uh, I know that well. 
so and and they're dead. So I I think I'm good. I think I I think I got away. But I don't I have nothing to get away with because it was alleged. It was alleged. Let's pivot to a different topic here. Uh, which celebrity do you wish you could be president? Hugh Hefner, great eye for beauty, uh, big womanizer, another big family man. This guy, from what I've seen, from the time I've been alive, he was such. He he just wanted to empower women, and and that's really what I want my campaign to be about. If I were to run again, is is he was one of the largest employers of women in the state of California, which I think is great. Um, he loved women a lot. I believe he was married multiple times. Uh, so I would probably say uh, the Hef. It rest in peace. May he rest in peace because that is a a great man, and, and quite frankly, he's a pioneer. Your wife is suspiciously linked to your murder. What do you have to say about that? You know, I know her. She's she's not really that smart. She probably she probably did kill me. And and the reason she she did is she probably thought that she was next in line to be president. Uh, she forgot about the twenty seven other people that were next in line before her. But uh, yeah, I I don't really know what to say about that. I think um, accidents happened. The whole story is that she was actually. Uh, they found out that I died, and she ended up burning most of the documents uh, that she had written. And then also they found a mysterious substance on the counter that was uh, known to contain poisonous chemicals. Now, she wasn't that great of a cook either, so I don't know if it was an attempted suicide or maybe she just didn't follow the directions. But uh, I wouldn't put it past her. But um, we were happily married, so I, I don't think she only caught me a few times allegedly cheating but she's an understanding person and um we all make mistakes she accidentally kills me um i allegedly cheat on her three times no one's perfect and and i think that if i was going to run again uh i would i would i would i would say that she didn't kill me and in fact the reason i died because i ate something that she cooked and there was too much love and affection that was baked into that that uh food that killed me um Mr. Harding, um, what piece of legislation did you try to pass that you weren't able to get passed? The Multiple First Ladies Act. Believe it or not, didn't get a lot of people to sign off on it. It was basically allowing a president to have multiple first ladies. Believe it or not, did very well in Utah. Killed in Utah. Um, got a huge, huge increase in Mormon support. Joseph Smith, a personal donor, really, really liked the idea. No one else liked it for some reason. Uh, it was unfortunate. My wife didn't even sign the bill, which um, that was unfortunate. But yeah, you know, I, I I wanted to be known as a guy who gave opportunity to women. And what is more empowering than giving women an opportunity uh, by having them marry the most powerful man in the world? Uh, what president did you admire the most after you? Bill Clinton. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um what was the very best thing about living in the White House? Having a personal chef was nice. There's nothing like waking up at 11.30 at night. <clears throat> you can hear the Indians running wild. And uh, personal chef. Do you have a personal chef? Uh, I, I do not. Yo, no. well, you're probably starving right now. <laughs> I have a personal chef, and it was great. He's, You know what? He's dead, so I'm sure he'd not remember all his recipes, but um, I'll have him cook us up something after. Also, another great thing about living in the White House, not a lot of solicitors. I cannot tell you how many Irishmen would come up asking to shine my shoes before I was president. Now, nothing. Nothing at all. Very interesting. Um, 
What were the presidential debates like back then? Well, <clears throat> it was really hard to pay attention because we didn't really have lighting back then, so the, the crowd had to sit close. And let me just tell you how hard it was to focus when there was a beautiful young woman in the crowd. Let me just tell you, it was so my, by far the most beautiful women I've seen were in these debates. Uh, and then there was my wife. But it was it was incredible. They I would lose my train of thought multiple times. Half my policies, I came out and I was saying them. I didn't even know what I was saying. I was just trying to use big words to impress them afterwards. Um, so that would probably be what the presidential debates were like. Uh, a lot of people would say it was a little bit more educated than nowadays. I would say it was a little bit more steamy now uh, back then. Uh, okay. Uh, you died two years into office. What would you have wanted to accomplish in your second term? We had just hired the most beautiful secretary. We really did. She was gorgeous. And it's a shame that I didn't get to know her. Um, she was married, but, you know... Uh, yeah, she was she was beautiful, and uh, we had so much in common. You know, usually presidents deal with foreign affairs, uh, but I was really really passionate about hiring, and uh, she I hired her actually without an interview. All she did was just submit her head, headshots, um, and that was that was pretty great. So um, I I would probably say that it's a real shame that I didn't get to uh, finish my term in office because I really would have gotten to know her better. Okay. Uh, if you were born in a different generation, when would it be and why? Uh, JFK's generation was pretty great because Marilyn Monroe was around and, um, she was a really big advocate of politics at the time, really big supporter of JFK. And, um, I always like a good fan base. It, it was tough because, 1864 was when I was president, and um, it was tough to really get a gauge by how many people liked me, because there was really no way to tell. Uh, if people liked you, they would kill Indians, and if people didn't like you, they would kill Indians. So it was pretty tough to uh, really get a gauge on how the country was, but uh, I'd probably say JFK's generation, just because he personally got to know Marilyn Monroe, and that would be an honor just to meet such a, a bright and uh, intelligent young woman like her. Uh, looking at your presidency, what policy are you most proud of from your time in office? Uh, the Veterans Bureau. That would probably be one of the uh, the best things that I did. I started the Veterans Bureau. Um, I'm not a veteran myself. Uh, I would never want to do that because that seems pretty difficult. Um, but I would probably say that uh, opening up the Veterans Bureau was something I was really, really proud of, and um, everyone likes a war hero, and, and even though I would tell most of the people that I would work with that I was a, a veteran, um, this not only helped veterans myself, uh, helped the veterans, but it also uh, made my story more legitimate. Uh, can you share with us some, what is your opinion about politics today? You know, it really, really saddens me. I look around politics today and the first thing that comes to mind is that it's too calm too calm too calm thomas jefferson for a whole debate once called his opponent a transvestite nowadays we got people on phones just yelling at each other it doesn't mean anything i like good action i like there was once a presidential debate that was there were three presidential assassinations attempted in one debate you never see that anymore you never see it 
it's boring, it's lackluster, pretty much everyone's using words you can't understand. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I would really like to go back to the old ways where you weren't patted down before you entered. Um, in fact, I remember multiple presidential uh, debates were being carried on with people had full-on muskets in their back pocket. So I think that that made it a little bit more interesting and, and it made politics a little bit more fun. There was a little, uh, lot less red tape, too. Let's go behind the scenes of your presidency. Who was your most trusted advisor I, while you were in office? I had some great advisors. Uh, my economic advisor was incredible. Um, I had a really good foreign affairs advisor. Um, but the guy that really stands out to me was Bill the Doorman. This guy had, I no matter what time of the night, he would always offer me a fresh stick of gum. And let me tell when you go and meet with the French... They're going to kiss you, so you might as well have some fresh breath. Um, Bill always had spearmint, cobalt. Sometimes on Fridays, on the weekends, he'd have strawberry-flavored gum. This guy kept me loaded the entire presidential term. And, and I really, a lot of my foreign affair deals couldn't get done without fresh breath. Uh, we were mostly dealing with Europeans, and, and they like to mostly conduct their meetings um, they start with a kiss. They also like to conduct the meeting shirtless as well. That's a commonality in Europe. So with those two things, it was really important to, to stay fresh. You were one of America's most popular presidents. Um, why was that? Let me just tell you. Have you ever heard of a monocle? A monocle is one of those things that you wear on your eye. Yes. You see how good I looked in that? Ah, okay. Yeah, that's right. I looked like a sexy Monopoly man. I looked like Mr. Peanut if he would have went to the gym three times a week. I was dressed to the nine every time I went out there. And that monocle, it gave me a pristine look, you know? The women that came on to sorry, allegedly came on to me, they weren't they weren't about the power. They were they were about the monocle. And that looked really good on me and, and I I owe a lot of my success to that. Uh what issue did you have to deal with that you're shocked? That people nowadays don't have to deal with. I look around and we're worried about so many things. And I think one of the things that we're really overlooking is no one's worried about being invaded by the French anymore. It's something that is overlooked. We're, we've taken it for granted. And I've gotten multiple threats when I was in office. I'm dead now, but multiple. And we're just acting like they're completely peaceful now. Um, they've never won a war before, but that doesn't mean they can't win now. And I, I don't know why we're more worried about the invasion of the French. Um, tourists there are, it, the tourist industry is booming, so they have a lot of money to fight us. Uh, most of it's funded by Americans, but we can maybe come up with some policy for that. And, um, I'm also really shocked that, uh, apparently we're afraid of this thing called cancer, which I'm not really sure if that can hold a candle to the common cold. People were dropping left and right with the common cold, so that was pretty scary as well. So those were those are the two things that I'm shocked that we don't have to deal with nowadays. This has been a great interview. What policy of yours do you think is still protecting Americans today? I think what, to this day, the core of America is really protected by my main policy, which is the Indian Protection Act, meaning that if an if an Indian tribe attacks you uh, through bow and arrow or maybe through a scalping, you're legally allowed to fight back. And 
driving here, I didn't see anything. Morongo looked pretty nice, stopped by there for a little bit. But besides that, you're allowed to attack an Indian. And I just want to ask you personally, do you, do you think that that's, you know, still a, a, relevant, uh, a relevant thing that I enacted? Well, I, I can't really comment. I'm have the you, one that's asking the excuse questions. Excuse me, have you been attacked by an Indian? No. Okay, then. Well, I'll let that speak for itself. Thank you very much. William G. Harding, thank you for your time today. And uh, any final words? Um, to my one child and one child only, thank you. And uh, to the alleged nine to 12 other children, I'm very sorry I left you out of the will. Thank you. Thank you.